Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Elizabeth Lyons is the author of Write the Damn Book Already. Tell your story, share your message, make your impact. Elizabeth is a six-time author, book writing coach, and founder of Finn Phyllis Press. She's passionate about helping aspiring authors untangle themselves so they can stop procrastinating and get on with writing, publishing, and launching a powerful book. A mom of five, and yes, we talked about this, she is obsessed with decaf coffee. It says decaf. Elizabeth, oh my gosh, how many books would you have written if you were obsessed with regular coffee? But anyway, I should have talked to you about that, but I didn't. Anyway, she is obsessed with decaf coffee, gluten-free cupcakes, and is consistently remodeling her already perfectly fine house. She lives in Arizona with whichever of her five kids happen to be home at any given point in time. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for coming on. Moms don't have time to read books to discuss 
write the damn book already, tell your story, share your message, make your impact. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. And And for blurbing it. Who is this amazing (laughs) blurb person? I know there was this really cute and just so kind person that I, I somehow managed to wrangle into blurbing this. Oh my gosh. Well, this person, otherwise known as me, said (laughs) Elizabeth's approachable, engaging, and encouraging voice is exactly what aspiring authors need. I'll be recommending this book everywhere. And look, here I am recommending this book. Everywhere. So sweet. So sweet. I wonder where our voices are today. Which (laughs) car stereos, ear pods, whose walk, whose kitchen? Here's here we are. So the laundry room, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Why why did you write this book? Tell us why should we write the damn book when there are so many books out there? Yeah. So great, great question. Because three years ago, it was maybe three, maybe four. I don't know. It was suggested that I write this book. And I was like, I would rather die. Like, no, I'm not going to write a book on how to write a book. I mean, first of all, there are so many books out there on how to write books. And there are a lot of really, really good ones. Right. And so I just didn't feel like I had anything really unique to say when it came to the process. And then fast forward, I think probably while I was coaching one day, I recognized what I absolutely love the most about writing books. And that is the, for lack of a better explanation, the growth that happens within people while they're writing books. Mm. And the thing that stops people from writing books are just all those objections, all those, but what if this, but, but what if that, you know, what if someone gets mad at me, but I'm not a writer, I'm not an expert, I don't have a huge platform, this, that, or the other thing. And they're all the same. I just heard, I hear them, I heard them over and over again. And not only that, but I've said them, you know, and I say them every time I've written six books now. And every time people say, well, it must get easier for me anyway. No, you know, with every, with every new book, it's like, oh God, (laughs) here we go go again. So those are the conversations I love the most. And, but so what is it for you that keeps drawing you back? Even if it's hard, even despite every obstacle, why? Why a seventh? Why an eighth? Why a ninth? Right, right. Even And even though after the fifth, I said never again. I think for me, it, this is my chosen form of, I guess, expression. And I think everybody has one. I mean, it, not everyone considers themselves a creative, but we all have thoughts and experiences and opinions. And I think it's part of the human condition that we all just, we want to be seen. And we want to feel like what we've experienced matters and uh, that we're adding value to other people's lives. And so, you know, even like right now I'm working on fiction, which I've not yet done. And so that's a completely different thing. Why do I, why do I want to write that? Because I'm writing the stories that I feel like aren't playing out in my actual life. Ooh. So they're going to, they're going to play out somewhere. (laughs) Wait, give us a little more. What kind, are we talking love stories? Are we relationship, career? What are the buckets? I think, you know what? I think all of it. I think I'm kind of in a, a weird position right now where I'm trying to merge a couple of different stories together or decide if they're all one story. So I had started at the beginning, I just turned 50. And so I started a book 
right? Woo, here we are. I started a book called The 51st Year because, you know, I, I feel like it's this interesting shift and it's this space between that many women experience where like 50 for me, this is not what I thought it would look like, which is not good or bad. It's just that when I was 20 or 30 and I imagined 50, you know, I, I'm I'm not in a relate. I don't have a partner. I have five kids. They're all off doing their thing. The youngest is almost 15. So it's kind of like, I'm not lamenting being a mom, but I am kind of, you know, sometimes I just sit on the couch, like, what are we doing here? Liz? <laughs> <laughs> Where is this all going? So I think there are just certain aspects of life. I think about my what if year, which I cannot wait to get my hands on Alicia. Right. And, and I, identified with that so much because how many of us think, well, what if I had pursued this relationship, this career? What if I had stuck with this uh, entrepreneurial venture that I started however many years ago and gave up after 2.7 weeks because I didn't yet have a customer? That's me speaking. I mean, the number of things I've given up on because they didn't work in seven minutes, is the list is long. And so to think about that and kind of but then let it actually play out by writing the story is interesting for me. It makes me feel, I guess, a little bit like I didn't miss it because I believe that whatever's meant for you will never miss you. It just might show up in a different way than you expect. Mm. And not necessarily on the timeline that you picked. Oh God, almost never. Almost never. Yeah. (laughs) Particularly when it comes to writing and publishing books, the gods are involved. I mean, not, not, I don't mean religiously, but you know what I mean? Well, (laughs) maybe sometimes. I don't know. know. (laughs) know. Um, Okay. So you first, you start off talking about the process and Mm -hmm. you counter so many objections, but so many people have already covered this topic, but now just isn't the best time. So you sort of take us through all of the self-talk, all the negative self-talk and give us alternative narratives so that we don't talk ourselves out of doing this project to begin with. What's the most, what are some, what's the most common one? And like, what was, what's your response? Mm -hmm. Take like, but what if it's not good or something like that? Oh God. So what if it's not good is uh, always everyone. And, and the thing that I don't think, there are many things I don't think people realize, but one of them is that every single author even the New York Times number one best-selling ones over and over again have many of these same thoughts. They sit, you know, even if they've written a bestseller, even if they've sold a million books, they they start the next one and go, "What if this isn't good?" Mm-hmm. Because none of us knows how well something is going to be received until it is or isn't. So we can sit here all day and pump ourselves up and say, "This is going to be the next my what if year. This is going to be the next bookends. This is going to be the next fill in the blank." Oh. And it either will or it won't. I mean, it, it will. It actually never will because there can only be one of each. You're not looking to replicate anything. But more often than not, people don't say, I don't hear people say, oh my gosh, this is going to be the next Harry Potter. They say, it's like, what, you know, like I'm going to shrink into this because what if nobody likes it? Or what if I make somebody mad? Another one I hear all the time, of course, and it's true with books, it's true with businesses, is this is just not the right time. It's true with having children. It's everything. It's like, this is just not the right time. And it's not so much that, I think that what's interesting for people is to be able to see that they're having those thoughts and how absurd they are, because we all know that they're absurd. 
I mean, you know, if I spent an hour last night watching Real Housewives and I may or may not have done that, <laughs> then I can spend 20 minutes working on a book, which is another objection. Well, it's very different. That Those are very different. It's not about the time. I mean, one is completely passive and one is completely Correct. immersive and active. One takes literally your entire body and mind and soul and the other takes n- maybe a sliver of your mind, yeah. maybe. <laughs> you're absolutely no. You're abs. Maybe, maybe. No, I mean, and I mean, but, and, I mean not to not to to knock entertainment. Like we need that. Right. We need that relaxation. But I feel like that is in the relaxation bucket. The recharge, yes. relax, watch TV where you don't have to think too hard. You can just enjoy yourself. So that you can go back and conjure up scenes and then transcribe them and make people up in your brain and somehow recreate them on paper to end up in somebody else's brain. <laughs> A hundred percent. And and I think that that's the thing that we resist is like, another thing I hear a lot is, but what if I put my whole mind, body, and soul into it? And then it's a waste of time because mm-hmm. it doesn't go anywhere or no one reads it or no one likes it. And so there's this, it can be easy to talk yourself into, well, if I'm going to waste my time, I'd rather waste it sitting in front of Netflix and, and, you know, do then that's some people's not, not everyone, you know, but that's some of what I hear. Yeah. I mean, I understand that. I remember having my first manuscript like totally get rejected. And I and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I wasted like a year of my life full time, wasted. But now 20 years later, I see it was not at all wasted and it was a step on the process to getting there. Right. right. So you have you have to go through it. So I don't know, maybe we maybe there has to be a, you know, like some sort of joke right? Your first novel, like the biggest time waste there is. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like market it differently. Your first novel will probably not sell. And yet you'll have to de- dedicate your whole life to it. Your whole life. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And are you willing to do that? Yes. Yeah. Clarify your why. Let's talk about that. Okay. Why? So <laughs> yeah, Th- there are two things I talk about in the book that are related, but but slightly different. Your why and your intention. Mm-hmm. So we hear this all the time. Like, what is your why? What is your why? And we hear about it so much that I think that a lot of people, myself included at one point, didn't even, it was very esoteric. It was like, what, what do you mean? But we have, it's, it's very helpful. I mean, I believe it's also very important, but to get clear about why you want to write this book now. Yep. Why, why me? Why this topic? Especially because people like me will come around and ask you those exact questions. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. I mean, you know, there's something to be said for writing a book proposal, even if you're not going to pitch it to an agent because, you know, or quarry an agent because it, it forces you to get clear about why are you the person to write this book? What's your, what's my unique angle? What is... What am I going to say differently? How is the book going to stand out from the thousands of others that are already written about the exact same topic? And so I don't, I know that the word in the industry is competition, but I almost think of it more like, why would someone buy my book and that other book, not my book or that other book, but why would they buy them both? How do they, how does my book complement what's already there, but also add something in to where the reader says, gosh, I think I need both of these things. It's a lot of pressure for one person, especially when you're writing nonfiction, to to put on yourself to be the standout. Like like the only resource, meaning, meaning the only resource a reader will ever need. I feel like that's a lot of pressure. So 
you know, figuring out why you, we get that spark within us that says, I want to do, I think this would be fun. I want to write this and coming back to that and going, what, what sparked that? Why did we think that would be fun? Why? (laughs) I mean, that, that question will come back many times, right? Why did I think this was a good idea? But, you know, remind something sparked it. And it's usually because you, not to be wackadoo or woo-woo, but your soul, your spirit has something unique to say about that experience. Or, you know, we're speaking in the memoir nonfiction realm now. Fiction is a little bit different, but yeah. Well, one of your tips is to create an epic timeline, which is controversial, right? A lot of people don't want to have an outline, like oh a lot God, of I all the it. pancers. And, and you say here, if you're more creative and go with the flow, you certainly can write without outlining if you choose and fill in the gaps later on. But for most people, having a basic understanding of what each chapter's main point is and what stories best support the main point helps the writing flow with far greater ease. Having an outline allows your writing sessions to be focused and intentional. Yeah. So I love this topic because I've had so many people say, I'm not doing an outline. And they're typically people who don't like structure and they don't like feeling boxed in. And so they'll say, Liz, I'm not doing that. That makes me... And so I go, okay, fine. But if you're not going to do it and you can sit down and the words just flow, more power to you. I would sit down and just be do nothing. I would turn on... Th- Netflix. But, you know, reverse outlining can be equally beneficial. So if you're someone who wants to just sit down and let it all come out of you, at some point, I recommend that people go back and outline what they've already written so that they can see if there is some semblance of a coherent flow. The thing with outlining that I found is that it's it's not meant to be, it's a fluid document. It's not meant to be, you don't have to keep it in stone. So for most people, the outline they start with only vaguely resembles the final product Mm -hmm. because you kind of write your way through your thoughts and you start to excavate more and more thoughts and explore more things and go deeper into the cave and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this was here. Oh, I didn't know I wanted to talk about that. So you're kind of adding to and removing and moving things around. It, it's not it's not as structured as some people. It's not like eighth grade when you had to write, right. you know, Roman numeral one and capital A and all, all that and all the way right. down. Giving me like negative. I know. Sorry. It's a little bit of PTSD. I know. Right. I know. I I see what my kids do now and it's not exactly the same. You know, they've, they have like a new take. that's a little bit more interesting than, than at least how we were taught. Speaking of kids, five kids, how have you written all these books and books? You have four. What are you talking about? I know, but it's different. I don't know. (laughs) It's It's also a whole extra kid. You have a whole extra kid in there. And both of them are twins. So I feel like, do they meld together? Like, I I have twins, though. And you still have the extra kid. (laughs) That's true. Okay. All right. But no, I mean, it's my my therapy for lack of a better, you know, I love words. I love story. I love talking. I love writing. I love all of it. So when I started, when I wrote my first book, which was, I mean, I think I had three kids under two, three. I don't oh, know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't the most coherent thing I've ever done. But I it wasn't, it was probably a gift because I it didn't look at it like, oh, this is a career. I just it was a creative outlet. It was like something different from 
diapers and bottles and screaming for incoherent reasons, you know, it's like, so it's just my thing that I do. And I don't always do it. You know, people say, well, do you sit down and write every day? No, I don't. I mean, if I'm working on a book and I have a deadline, then I have a process, you know, I, I force it some days, you know, which I'm, I hate that word, but yeah, it's just, and the kids are all in my books, as you, you know. So I mean, with permission, with permission, they yeah. they love to go back to the early days and go, "You made this." My daughter, my oldest daughter, loves to say that my third book is the Book of Lies. That's what she calls it. It's quite serious, and it's how I. That's the title of it. It's kind of how I balanced being a mom of five with the other things I wanted to do. And she's like, "This is the Book of Lies. None of these things happened." And I, I like, there's pictorial proof. Like, <laughs> I promise you they did. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything, it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because... Even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Back to some of the, the basics here. Another chapter, but what if I don't sell as many books as so-and-so did? Now, this is a big one for published authors. Talk about this one. How do, yeah. how do you get over this? I don't know that you get over it as much as you figure out what's really underneath it. So I think 
first of all, I've never heard of someone who's yet on the bestseller list saying, oh my gosh, I sold 7,924 copies. We don't always really know how many copies. We're making assumptions. Now, obviously, if you've hit a major bestseller list, we know you've sold a sizable number of books, but still, like we're making assumptions. And so what I like to talk to people about is what is that? What so what? I mean, to put the question back on them in a compassionate way. So what if you don't sell as many books as so and so? What 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 are you what are you making that mean? And that's start that's where people start to go, oh. Okay. And they start to realize how much of their ego might be involved or how, or like whether or not they're thinking about it in the air quote right way. You know, is it about selling more books than so-and-so? Or is it about, again, coming back to the why is the whole reason you want to do this because you just want to entertain or impact or change, help change the perspective or whatever of one person. Like, would it be one question I ask people before I oftentimes before I work with them is if you knew that your book was only going to sell one copy to one person, but it would radically change their life or their thought process or whatever, would you still do it? And if the answer is no, sometimes that gives me a little bit of pause. I mean, there are, there are variables in there, right? But it just, it, it helps it helps me assess and i think it helps them assess what their intention is which is different from the why right and there's no wrong answer there i have people say like well i think is it wrong for me to want to make money off of a book like if i'm trying to help people is it wrong that i also want to make money so there're all these like there're all these different things that start to crop up it's interesting yeah it's just interesting to talk about so when i was still in the thick of it with my twins. One of my best, best oldest friends became pregnant with twins. And mm-hmm. so I wrote a book just for her called like Little Morsels, wow. Everything I Wish I'd Known About Having Twins. I had no intention of publishing it. And I didn't, I self-published it. And I only made like 10 copies and I gave them all to her. I think I might have one, but I don't even know where it is. But oh. that that's literally what you're saying. I wrote that for one Look person. Look at my face. I'm like. To change her life. But I didn't, but then- but that's not the same, at least for me, right, as trying to write another book that I'm trying to sell to a publisher and get it out in the world and like make a big effort and then have the numbers perhaps not live up to the to the effort put forth to like market the book and all the things you have to do as an author. A hundred, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And there's a difference, I think, between disappointment and kind of just feeling like, oh, shoot. You know, like what, what could I have done differently? Or was it, was Mercury in retrograde? Like what, what happened here? And and disappointment is a completely fair feeling, you know, and they are very different, right? If you, if you know, I'm just writing this because I just want to give it to my best friend and help her out, then you don't have an expectation. But when you have an expectation, because you're putting so much of yourself into it, that and you can't control the outcome right that is just it's challenging okay well there's not really an answer <laughs> there's not i mean there's not it, there's definitely no right answer yeah i mean yeah. 
I think your point too is Mercury in retrograde, not that exact point, but you know, did the culture <laughs> shift? Did something, did another big yeah. event obscure books in general? Was there, is it the middle of an election? Is it, you know, there are all these big things, big sweeping things. Did something terrible happened and no one's even thinking about books, certainly not your book. And no, it, I, I Remember when my what if year was getting ready to launch? And I remember when you posted, like, we're going on Good Morning America. And you said, I've been so hesitant to even announce this because I didn't know if it would get bumped because yep. you just don't ever know. You don't ever I know. can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, that week before when both, because both of you, I'm imagining, were pretty excited about that. And so it's <laughs> like, please. And thankfully it didn't, but... Well, I remember in business school, I was in business school on 9-11 and I've written a lot about this, but what I haven't said as much is I remember sitting in class because someone talked about a friend of theirs who had a book that just came out like that day or that week or something. And they'd spent all this time on the book. And I, you know, I always had wanted to be a writer and, and an author. And so I remember in that moment thinking like, oh my gosh, all that time. And like, I know this is not even close to the biggest you know, loss of the pandemic or not the pandemic, the, um, of nine 11. And, <laughs> right. you know, I had lost someone too, but I was still like thinking about all the authors then and what that does when you've worked for years and years and finally have your moment and then it's gone and you can't like have it back. I don't Absolutely. know. So anyway, you just never know. <laughs> just never know. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. You talk about the editing process and then you say, but how do I get Reese Witherspoon or Chris Pratt to endorse it? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so easy. <laughs> Some people would probably say it is, but yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's the dream. And you say, what about bookstores? So I do think this is really interesting because bookstores have so much power really in collectively and and making or breaking a book by just by where they put it, whether it's a big chain or the Indies collectively or, or all of that. What are your thoughts on them? Oh, I, I love this discussion because everyone has a different experience and perspective on it. So it, I can only speak from my experience and perspective, but back in the day, I mean, I had, when borders was a thing, my book was carried by borders. It was carried by Barnes and Noble. And I had this thought that, oh my gosh, this means every bookstore is going to carry it. And of course, I had the dream that it was going to be on the front table, not realizing that at that time, the front tables were purchased by the big houses and yada, yada. But a lot of people think that having their book in the bookstore is um, the mark of a good book. Mm. And so I think that at least a lot of people have communicated to me, it's one of the first questions people ask, how do I get the book in the bookstores? And once people start to understand the process of how bookstores actually work with returns and delayed royalty payments and things like that, it it doesn't necessarily change their mind about having them wanted in, want their book in a bookstore, but it does oftentimes make them feel a little bit more strategic about which bookstores they want to have them in. Mm-hmm. So what I hear more often than not now is people who want them carried by their favorite indie. Because indie bookstores, I mean, I just couldn't love indie bookstores any more than I do. I, I Just everything about them, the, from the passion of their owners to their connection to the community. And when you go into an indie bookstore, typically almost every event they have, there are, there are like loyalists who are there. At, it doesn't matter who the author is. They show up because they just love, they know they're going to love something. So I fully support working with 
especially independent authors we're talking about here, but working with independent bookstores to get your book in there, it's just a function of having your expectations properly set and realizing that, and this may be slightly controversial, but if you upload your book through, if you're independently publishing and you upload your book through Ingram Spark, and, and it says on there, you know, we're going to distribute to 45,000 plus people assume that means, oh my gosh, you know, my book is going to be in every bookstore from here to kingdom come. And that's not what's going to happen. So it's the expectation piece. It's not that I'm trying to be Debbie Downer on it at all. It's that I just, I feel like when people have their expectations properly set, they're less likely to be disappointed in an outcome that was going to happen all along. True. You know? A lot of, I mean, I think that's really the overarching theme to most of what you write in the book is about expectations. The expectation of it being easy to write a book and the reality of it being hard. The expectation that it will sell like hotcakes and the reality that that's like very rare. Like, you know, the expectation of, you know, just all of it. I I think that's the number one thing is getting it in the proper buckets before you even begin. Yeah, I I think that when people watch other authors and they think, you know, for example, they see an author do really well and they assume that they just woke up in the morning and wrote a beautiful book. That's another one that I hear is, you know, people don't realize that the first draft of everything is awful. It's it's just awful. And and when you get a book in your hands that you can't put down, it has been combed through over and over. And it has, I mean, the sweat and the tears literally that have come out of both the author and in many cases, the editor to get that thing polished and to air quotes, good enough. To, is significant. And so it, it's just thinking that an author sits down at their desk, writes an incredible book. It comes out beautifully the first time. They launch it. On day one, it goes to New York Times number one. They're gazillionaires. Reese Witherspoon wants to have dinner. Like these are the thoughts that people unfortunately have. And then when it doesn't happen to them, they but they don't know the reality of what it really that that was that author's ninth book that they have been writing in their van for 10 years that you know they've had five jobs cobbled together on the side to pay the bills while they were sweating over this manuscript those sorts of things i think it's like i think if authors think of it more visually like there's madison square garden is full of people writing books all in the same year. And in Madison Square Garden, one person is going to maybe five of those. Well, okay. Maybe 20 people are going to hit the bestseller list and one, or no, 12 will be picked by Reese, right? Or whoever. I mean, 12, like I don't ever expect to win one of those t-shirts thrown at me at Madison Square Garden, you know, (laughs) right? So let me ask you, like, how do you, because when people hear that, do you feel like that just deflates them? You know, when they hear, oh gosh. Well, no, I don't mean for that to be deflating. I mean for it to be validating. And I mean, like, there can be fabulous books. There will be fabulous books that touch people's lives, sell nicely, that aren't going to be on the bestseller list. They won't yes. have an accolade next to their name. They won't win a prize, but they have a nice, strong success or or not or whatever, or it's a success for them. And 
you know, even even BookScan, which is what people in the publishing industry use to find out the numbers of other people's books and like, you know, publishers can use and whatever, that's not even representative of all the sales anyway. Right. You know, right. and then you have the ebook, audiobook, special sales. I mean, it's really impossible. So it is. And I love the way you said that, that it's not meant to be deflating. It's actually meant to be encouraging, you yeah. know, because I think people want to realize that there's nothing wrong with them. Because it's not going to the moon yeah. in five seconds. It's like you're already enjoying the hockey game or whatever at Madison Square Garden, like or the concert, right? You're you're at Taylor Swift. You already are having a great time at the concert. Yes. Like the 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 T-shirt would just be one more great icing thing. on the cake. Yeah, right, right. So mm-hmm. anyway, okay, yeah. enough of the analogy. <laughs> okay, Elizabeth, this is so awesome. I need to go back and read your book of lies now because that's the one I'm most intrigued about. There's stuff I couldn't have made up as creative as I may be on some days. I could not have made it up. That's so funny. Well, I'm wishing you luck on your novel. I can't wait to read that. Thank you so much. I'm wishing me luck too. (laughs) And thank you. I know a lot of people need this. And it's just really exciting to think about the fact of what books might come out into the world and help other people as a result of authors picking up your book that you decided to read. It's like this huge, like one of those huge network, not network effects, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Full circle. Thank you. I can't find words today. So anyway, it's really awesome. Good karma. Thank you so much (laughs) for your support. And just honestly, for everything you're doing, I just think you're magnificent. Everything you're doing for authors is just such, it's so refreshing and inspiring. And I just appreciate you so much. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you too. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Sorry again, I was late. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.